0: I am um, I want to talk tonight. Um, it seems like this same stuff we've been talking about the last several weeks, at least that I have in my in my talks that I do. Um, and it's about holding still holding all this pain, all this grief, um, all the all the tragedy, all the violence. That's happening in the Middle East, around the world. Shootings and the mass shootings here in the states. The other one, um, in Maine, and it seems, it seems almost relentless at times. And I, uh, I attended a talk by Larry Ward the other night. He is a wonderful teacher. He has been around for many years I'm I'm a great fan of his and he, he's a um, a student of Takeda Hans he's uh, actually he worked with Thich Nhat Han for many 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 years and um, he t- he's talked about and I, I'm always very inspired by his talks and he said he had one line and he said we need to thrive in a period of uncertainty but it doesn't mean we're uncertain of our priorities And I really, that really landed with me because, um, yeah, we do live in a period of uncertainty. I mean, I think it's always uncertain. We think we know what's going to happen, but impermanence is always in play for everything. Um, But to have a grounding that lends us some solidity is really important and really powerful. And it gives us a sense of priority of priorities for our life and how we can operate and move through the world and I want to talk about that and 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 for me it's been the teachings the buddhist teachings the four noble truths and the eightfold path primarily cuz that's a kind of a way it's a path to liberation it's a path to freedom and it's a path to live in harmony with others, and I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But it's a way to guide our lives. It's a way to have that that certainty in our priorities. And so, you know, one of the things that is um, also incredibly important um, that I got out of his talk was he talked about, you know, the sense of community. Um, and how we're not just doing this for ourselves we're not just developing priorities so that I'm okay but that we are connected there's this sense of community that's so important um, as a society there's a lot of isolation in our society I mean even right now we're sitting in these little zoom boxes um, and there's a couple of us that have company whether um, human or uh, animal, but a lot of us are, are sitting by ourselves. And um, and Zoom is, I, I actually have been quite impressed by the sense of community that can grow in Zoom, but it's also um, important to recognize the sense of connection that is important for thriving. And um, I attended some other um, uh, stuff last weekend with Larry Ward and his wife, um, Peggy Roward Ward, and and there was somebody else, Joe Riley, who was singing a song, and he talked about, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about interbeing, to point out the connectedness that we all have with each other, that we're not operating in a vacuum. And the singer um, said, we inter-are, which I really like, you know, that we, this recognition that we are all together. Um, and that, and, and you know, in Mahayana tradition, there's the idea of the bodhisattva, who who foregoes their own enlightenment until all beings are enlightened. They vow to, you know, beings are numberless. I vow to save them, all. So there's that sense of we're not just doing it for ourselves. And um, Larry Ward talked about the beloved community. You know, it's not competition. It's not aggression. We're not here to be number one all the time, but we're here to support each other in our shared humanity. And you, 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 I'm sure most of you know Larry Yang, and he wrote that wonderful book, Awakening Together, and he talks about beloved community, which is so important. And he says, beloved communities are envisioned as those that embody the values of love and justice in every aspect of their being. Even when circumstances are difficult or oppressive, a beloved community assumes that all our lives are interrelated and the social nature of our humanity is not secondary to any other aspect of life. As Dr. King reminds us over and over again, we are tied together in the single garment of destiny, caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. And that is so easy to be lost these days. Um, you know, if you look at how people are behaving in the world, it's so much of what's going on is one one party trying to gain power over another. It's always, you know, got to be number one, got to be number one. I, um, I probably mentioned this before. My husband likes to watch those shows. I think it's on the History Channel or Discovery Channel talking about the titans of industry or the the creators of candy bars, you know, Mars and Hershey, and how they one of them had really good, you know, really successful business and company, but they needed to be number one. They needed to defeat the other guy. And I sit and I watch these things, and I go, why? Why do you have to be number one? Why can't you just go, yay, we're making a good living? Yay, we're making a nice product. So it's that sense that we always have to be number one, which, which is, can be really damaging can be really damaging it's self-centeredness run amok and um you know how do we behave in this world um we have to recognize that we're part of it not masters of it larry ward says we let's let's let us be earth let us be the earthlings we are and give up our superiority um last week in a dharma talk i gave i talked about dehumanizing and how easy it is to dehumanize the other and um the problem uh, there's a lot of problems with that but one of the problems is that when we dehumanize another we dehumanize ourselves we cut ourselves off from kind connection by creating this story about them and how we don't have to count them Because they're not like us and they're them. They're over there. And it it allows for all kinds of horrible, horrible circumstances. And and as I as I mentioned, the Buddha gave us a roadmap in order to be in community with each other. He gave us the eightfold path, which Bhikkhu Bodhi says is a way to live in harmony with others and it's um it's especially the one the one part of the eightfold path sila ethical behavior how to live with integrity that's where you have the precepts um and I'll talk about those a little bit more as well um and it, this eightfold path offers us a life that is grounded in a wise heart there's wisdom and clarity and there's compassion. We're not just one or the other. We have, um, we have the ability to respond as appropriate, which is one of the definitions of equanimity—an appropriate response to whatever shows up. Which is what the beauty of the um, the beginner's mind practices is, is—you let go of all the extraneous stories, the conditioning, the. The, the baggage we carry and say what is this so you begin to release yourself from reactivity and really come into connection with the experience of the moment and what's the right way to be what's the right way to respond right here and right now that's what we're working towards to be fully present in our lives to be fully present and grounded uh, to be grounded in, in our priorities. Um, and, and I always like to um, ask when we're, when we're talking about things, like if we're talking about how to live a life with integrity, how to live a life of harmony, uh, how to develop a wise heart, an undefended heart, um, what gets in the way of, any, of everything? What gets in the way? What ideas do we hold on to so tightly that we can't loosen them to be kind to each other. And how easy is it for me to demonize and call a group of people they? It's really easy. Even if I'm intentionally not wanting to do that, I can have some kind of reaction against somebody or something because of I think they shouldn't be doing a certain thing, therefore I get to treat them like crap um or there's something else going on over here and that allows me to not pay attention to what i'm doing and be rude or unkind or whatever um that is what we want to recognize what gets in the way and how easy it is for me to slip into that and one of the things i i want to I want to say right now, it's because it's an important caveat. It's, you know, I, I was talking last night that Buddhism sometimes has the rap of being, oh, we're all living, love everyone, and that means we can't be mean, la, la, la. And that's not true. It's a practice that is about accountability as well. It's like, oh, you're doing that, and um, I'm not going to demonize you because. Um, that's not what i'm supposed to do it's like no we call people out on things that if people are causing harm we work to end that we work to stop that it's not about saying oh like you don't demonize the person you recognize their humanity you don't deny their humanity but you also recognize that what they're doing is not okay and needs to be stopped so that i i really want to say that because people get such a, a bizarre idea of of buddhism i had i was working i mean i'm on the board of a nonprofit and uh one of the my old colleagues who was on the board a rabbi said he, i was the first buddhist he met who didn't just sit on a cushion and meditate was actually you know out there working for economic justice or whatever. and I'm like, oh yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of us who do that. It's not all just sitting there breathing in and breathing out, working for ourselves. As Biku Bodhi says, he says we need to we need to develop this equanimity, we need to develop these priorities and this foundation so we can go out into the world and 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 take care of what needs to be taken care of work for um work for justice for all beings Um, work to end violence against any being and so um i don't get to decide who or what is worthy of kindness who or what i get to greet with an open heart you know it's part of what the buddha invited us to do with these Eightfold Paths. This Eightfold Path is a path to harmony with all beings, omitting none, as it says in the Metta Sutta. There's no teaching on superiority. There's no saying, everybody except them. There's no except. There's no what if. There's no if only. Um, and it helps us to loosen our attachment to these fixed ideas that we've grown up with because of the society we live in, because of what we've been taught, because of what we see on TV and read, in social Social media social media will tell you how to believe and then the next day it'll tell you to believe something different so it's really be cautious around that Um, so we need to learn to be grounded and for me as i said that's the eightfold path and i want to talk about the different qualities, the different factors of the eightfold path because they're so incredibly important on how we move through the world um, the first factor, the first section, is um, is um, right view and right intention. And right view is is recognizing our shared humanity. Recognizing that the, the four noble truths: there is suffering, there is dissatisfaction, birth, death, loss. We all experience that. To recognize that's part of the human condition. And, and we often cause extra suffering. We often cause harm to ourselves and to others by wanting it to, to not be that way. And trying to fix things. To have them be the way we want them to be. And that doesn't usually end well. You know, when we chase, and we chase pleasure, pleasant all the time. Instead... We're invited to let go and be with. So to see clearly, and to see clearly that things are impermanent as well. Everything passes, everything changes. How much do we suffer and struggle and we want to hold on to stuff? You know, there's, a, there's a saying that says, you know, everything I let go of has claw marks in it. You know, because we hold on, or do you ever you ever do a um tug of war, and then at the end of it, your hands are all like you know shredded from holding on so tightly, yeah, see if you can let go or not hold on if if you're if you're banging your head against the wall or um, if you've got claw marks and things, maybe you want to kind of ease up a bit and investigate what is this that's the that's that question again what is this and then the second factor is wise intention to set an intention to um there's three pieces of that it's renunciation which is not just being good for good sake or not doing something just because but to recognize what causes suffering in your life what causes harm what causes dissatisfaction what is getting in the way? And can you let that go? You know, habits that are not helpful. Habits of, of, of being quiet, or habits of, you know, whatever it is. We all have different habits that we've developed, oftentimes as self-defense mechanisms, oftentimes as ways to armor ourselves against the world, but that maybe don't serve anymore. Like for me, learning to keep my mouth shut was really important growing up. Learning to just be a fly on the wall. Uh, But there comes a time and a place where just being a fly on the wall doesn't serve. And so to learn to be willing to let that go, as painful as it is to change habits, can you go through it to, to let go of what doesn't serve and bring something in that does serve? Rick Hansen talks about that. When we let something go, what can we bring in to take its place that's actually beneficial? And then we move, the rest of wise intention is to move through the world with friendliness and compassion towards all beings. Really um, can be challenging, but um, the Buddha talked about that again and again. And there's one sutta where he talks about this, and it's kind of in reference to um, um, the next one of the next factors It's was wise action, not um, intentionally killing or not intentionally causing harm. I'll just move into that, but it's also it it, it kind of that wise um, wise intention. Excuse me, wise um, action, not intentionally killing or causing harm kind of builds on this moving through the world with kindness and compassion. And here it's talking about um, not that first that first factor in, or that first piece of, of uh, wise action. Here, someone abandoning the killing of living beings abstains from killing living beings with rod and weapon laid aside, gentle and kindly. He abides compassionate to all living beings. That's in one of the suttas. And the Buddha talks about that over and over again, how we abide with kindness and compassion and gentleness to all living beings. It didn't say all living beings except. It said all living beings. And that's the, the next piece of the Eightfold Path is sila. Wise, um, you know, ethical ethical behavior. Living with integrity, a real foundation of how to move through the world. Don't cause harm. And not just don't kill and don't cause harm, but cultivate compassion. Don't take what's not offered. Don't steal, not just stuff, but time, energy. Just don't, don't take, don't be an energy suck, you know. And instead, cultivate generosity. How can you be there for another? Can you listen to someone who, who needs to talk about something? Generosity of spirit. Just, you know, holding even holding the door open for someone. Really, it doesn't take a lot. We, we often work from a place of lack. Well, if I give this, then what will happen to me? And it's just do what makes sense in the moment. Again, that appropriate response in the moment. But as you, if you cultivate not taking... Or if you let go of not taking and cultivate generosity, that impulse will be there. You're you're creating the 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 ground for being a generous person, for being a compassionate person by by looking at this and seeing where maybe you're a little stingy, or a little greedy, or a little clingy. Generosity is the antidote to clinging. And to cling is to suffer. And to To be wise with our sexuality. To not cause harm in our romantic or sexual relationships. Really key. Really key. We can cause so much harm. I've caused so much harm. I've been harmed. I'm sure we all have. So how do you walk through life with harmony in that realm? And then another one of the factors of the Eightfold Path is wise speech. not just speech, but communication. How do we communicate with others? The the Buddha said, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it the right time? Is it kind? And what's your intention? Do you have a kind intention? Because we can tell the truth at the right time using kind words, but there's perhaps some ulterior motive. So really this wholehearted, way of communicating with others i can't tell you how many times i've wanted to say something on social media and then i said is this actually necessary and 99 percent of the time it isn't necessary or or butting into a conversation i'm a butter inner and a jumper inner so i have to really really watch myself i'm going to beg all your forgiveness right now because i'm sure i'm going to if we're talking to each other in person i'm sure i'm going to do it because i I still haven't gotten that yet. Um, I'm not dead, and maybe I'll get it before I die. Maybe I won't, but I'm going to try. Anyway, um, so to be wise with our communication. I heard something recently. I don't remember where I heard it, but they said if it's really important, if it's something that's really important, don't text or email. Talk, (laughs) because that's really, you know... Because there's nuance gets lost in email and texting, so or social media. So really, be cautious about how you communicate. You know, letting go of sarcasm, letting go of of harsh speech. So, and then why, right? Why, why right livelihood? How do you make you li- your living? The Buddha was specific in particular things like um, butchering, I think, and a couple other things. But how do you how do you work through um, making a living today that is not causing harm to yourself or to others to live to cultivate living in harmony and this is a challenging one because we have to make a living as best we can um, but to to really let that be part of, of what you reflect on as you move through the world because everything we do has ramifications and then the last piece of of um, of the Eightfold Path is effort, mindfulness, and samadhi, collectedness of mind. Often, It's often talked about as concentration, but it's really collectedness of mind. So effort, there's the four, the four efforts to recognize when you're caught up in um, reactivity, when you're caught up in old habits, when you're caught up in maybe harsh speech or demonizing or dehumanizing someone else, and, and watch that. You know, they say, um, there's a thing that people say, treat everyone else as if they were a Buddha and you weren't. You know, oh, they maybe give give other folks the benefit of the doubt. So recognize when you're getting caught up in your stories and the habits of mind and, and lost in this thinking or um, lost in, um, yeah, wanting or you know greed hatred and delusion getting lost in those three defilements that cause so much havoc in our lives and others lives and be willing to let go so recognizing when you're caught up and be willing to release that story let go of that behavior and then come back to the present and come begin to cultivate a wise heart an appropriate response one that's not conditioned and reactive but one that meets the moment that meets the moment oh one other thing i want to say about um, wise speech because it's really important it's to not just this is another thing that buddhists get a rap for that a bad rap that oh you can't say anything because they won't like it it's not that you don't say things that people aren't going to like you say it, you say what needs to be said. Like you, if people are doing things that are causing harm, you call them out on it. Absolutely. But you do it kindly. You do it with the parameters the Buddha laid out. You do it truthfully. You don't go at them with, with venom and harsh speech. And this stuff is not easy. But we, if you set an intention to move in that direction, let this be a groundwork. So that's what the effort is, is to recognize when you're caught up in, in not wise behavior or, or activities and bring yourself back and how do you cultivate a different way that's living in harmony and not causing harm. And then... Um, continue to cultivate that wise effort and then mindfulness which is ultimately the foundation of all of this stuff because if we're not paying attention we're going to be doing whatever it is we're doing you know the fifth precept talks about not ingesting into- intoxicants or um not in- te- in- te- ingesting drugs or alcohol that lead to heedlessness not and re- you know, Thich Nhat Hanh elaborates on that but not by not ingesting watching what we read watching what we listen to um so that can lead to heedlessness as well and mindlessness so really to be present what is this what's going on right here right now what's the emotion what's the feeling it anger oh look there's anger coming up so when we're mindful we recognize perhaps when anger is arising So then we don't just automatically react from anger, letting anger call the shots, but we let anger be present. We don't say, no, bad anger, go away. We make space for it. We greet our anger with kindness and compassion. And then we respond from wisdom and love to whatever's happening. So we have to have that mindfulness And then the the one is the last one is the collectedness of mind, which I wrote down is rest in being. Just be fully present. Be right where you are, resting in this awareness of this moment. And so that is the Buddha's guide to moving through the world, moving towards freedom and liberation. It's a path towards releasing those things we hold on to. It's a path to awakening. And we, we, we hear it and we get it intellectually, but it, when we begin to put it into practice, it seeps down into our hearts. And so it's not just an intellectual memorization, but it's, it begins to become how we move through the world, how we treat others and how we treat ourselves, because we're also part of this. We get to treat ourselves with kindness and compassion. We talk to ourselves kindly, we don't get to call ourselves names. Cuz we're it's a lot what's probably a lot of us are much uh, more comfortable calling ourselves names than we are calling other people names. So we practice that to ourselves. And there's a couple of there's a couple of quotes that I really 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 love that I want to read that I think kind of put a postscript to this. And you know, one of the one of the 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 most famous of the Buddha's um, sayings in the Dhammapada the Dhammapada are these collections of of very famous sayings and one of the first ones is um, about hatred never ceases through hatred only through love or non-hatred is hatred does hatred cease this is the eternal law that's what the Buddha said that you know, over 2,000 years ago, hatred never ceases through hatred. So this piling on and piling on and piling on doesn't do anything except make it worse. Hatred is this, you know, exaggerated form of anger, which is one of the, the poisons, the three poisons, the three defilements, you know, that, that blocks us from being fully present. So let, it, let yourself be open to a different way. And then even Martin Luther King, who said very much the same thing uh, a lot of the time, he said, I have deci- decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Because if you think about it, if you hate people, oftentimes the other person has no clue you're the one who's suffering from it. You're the one who's carrying that fire in your belly or in your gut. It's unpleasant. It's unpleasant so so see if you can mitigate that in some way shape or form and um james baldwin had a, a a good quote he said i imagine one of the reasons people cling to their hates so stubbornly is because they sense one hate once hate is gone they will be forced to deal with the pain and that i believe is so true because if I have had an inkling to hate somebody or something, it's because I was hurt or it hurts whatever it was hurt someone I love. And that's painful. And it's not often what we want to deal with. We don't want to deal with our pain. But the only way to be with pain is the only way to work with it is to be with it is to be willing to turn towards it. That's what this practice asks us to do, to be with. Um, Sati means be with. It means mindfulness, but it also means be with. Be with the pain. And then we move from hatred to love. And Bell Hooks had such amazing quotes about love. She was a Buddhist practitioner, and she said, the moment we choose to we choose to love we begin to move against domination against depression the moment we choose to love we begin to move towards freedom to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others that action is the testimony of love as the practice of freedom and when we choose to love we choose to move against fear against alienation and separation the choice to love is a choice to connect to find ourselves in the other and you know that's what i said at the outset that one of the 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 deepest needs we have is for connection and the more we can begin to connect with that sense of love and compassion for ourselves And this is why it's important this practice is to practice with ourselves is because if we can be compassionate with ourselves, it becomes easier to be compassionate with others. And it becomes easier to connect to others and less easy to dehumanize others. So this is incredibly important practice. An incredibly important practice. And finally, she said, to be loving is to be open to grief. To be touched by sorrow, even sorrow that is unending. We have to be willing to just be with. Because we don't want to live in a way that causes harm. Because we have our priorities set to live in this way the Buddha invited us to live. To live in a way that is offers freedom and liberation for all beings omitting none it's so incredibly important to reflect on this and to see how we um work with it in our daily lives and um you know some of sometimes we might have a, a piece that is 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 simple and that and then there's other pieces that are incredibly hard so just start where you are start where it's most challenging for you to be in the moment that, or or if there's suffering that's coming up again and again, can you turn towards that? That's where you want to start. Maybe there's a particular piece of the Eightfold Path that's applicable to that. Talk to someone else who's also on this path. You know, because there's connection. We don't do this alone. So, So those are my thoughts, my friends, on how to uh live in harmony with ourselves to live in harmony with others and to walk through this world without causing harm and to cultivate kindness and connection with all beings so uh yeah thank you so much for your kind 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 and generous attention